Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast is presented by Pop Punk Takeout, which is a monthly subscription box that delivers merchandise from pop punk artists from all over the world directly to your door in a takeout box. You can choose from a pizza takeout box, which is the larger version, or a smaller version, which is like a Chinese food takeout box. Uh, you can choose from either of those every month at poppunktakeout.com. Also, follow them on Facebook. Instagram and TikTok at Pop Punk Takeout. And just in time for the holidays, the very first uh, Christmas uh, compilation they're putting out. It's called The Very Pop Punk Christmas Volume 1. And you can actually pre order that as well right now at poppunktakeout.com. Actually, a lot of the bands that are on this uh, Christmas compilation are bands that have been here on Pop Punk and Pizza, including Settle Your Scores, TLB, Tiny Kingdoms, Last of Letters, Stop, Drop, Rewind, Eugene Levy, and so many others. So find out about all that stuff at poppunktakeout.com. I'm going out, I gotta go, I'll bang a ring on the radio, so turn it up, I'm telling you, I think I'm ready for something new. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet ya, hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. Listening to Pop Punk and Pizza with Jacques Lamour. Yo, yo, what is happening? Welcome to Pop Punk and Pizza. I'm, of course, Jacques Lamour. So great to have you here. I hope you're actually enjoying a slice of pizza as you're listening to this podcast right now, or at least eating something that you enjoy, or maybe you're not eating at all. Maybe you're doing the dishes or you're on your way to work. Whatever time of the day is that you're listening to this, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, I've got a great show for you once again. We are going to be welcomed by one of the guitarists from Sunil. Nami Bomb in just a little bit, Andy. Uh, he also has a record label that we're going to be talking about called uh, Sell the Heart Records. Um, but before Andy comes on, we are welcoming uh, a band that I've uh, had the pleasure of seeing, although it's been a while because, well, we all know, pandemic, right? Um, I've talked to them so many times uh, about coming onto the show. We're finally making it happen. So let's please welcome Jack and Alex of Bad planning yeah hey guys <laughs> what's up of course so happy to have you guys uh, as as uh i was getting ready for this podcast i was trying to think of and i guess it's only one time i've seen you guys play and i guess that was at the ever famous snooze fest yeah, yeah. Would, would that have been Shubas? Shubas? Or however you say it? Shubas, yeah. Shubas, and that would yeah. have been 2019. 2019, yeah, the, the 2019 um, Snooze Fest. That was like, yeah, that was one of the last shows we played like that whole year. Yeah. Yeah. Have, you know, I was just thinking it's it's November already. Yeah. Um. Have have you heard if if Kevin from Guardrail is going to do it? Because I haven't talked to him about it. Uh, yes, it will happen. It okay. will definitely happen. I don't know. I I talked to him kind of recently about it. I don't know when exactly. Um, but there will be one coming, and it should be very dope. 
I don't Sweet. know. Why. I should I should also preface that. But <laughs> great, this morning's new fest, and like Kevin's really good with that. And I mean, it's it's a, it's a great great show. Oh, hell yeah. So so anyone that's uh, just now hearing about Snooze Fest for the first time, just to put it simply, it's a, it's a yearly show. And I want to say it's it's always in January. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's always in January. It's in the Chicago area. Um, everyone's invited to wear the silliest pajamas they can come up with or just wear, you know, pajamas that you would normally wear, whatever it is. Uh, you come out and uh, come to the show and there's usually... Gosh, there's like eight bands usually, if not more, that play. Um, most of them from the Chicago area, but sometimes they're actually regional too from other parts of the Midwest. And uh, the money from the show actually goes to a good cause. And for most recent years, it's mostly been uh, the Allison Cares Foundation. But I know when the the virtual Snooze Fest was happening, it was going towards uh, the uh, Chicago uh, Independent Venue League. I know that yeah. there were um, there were two virtual Snooze Fests, and we actually got to do both of them. The first one I did this by myself. I think I recorded it in like my daughter's like nursery room because it was the only room that was quiet at the time. <laughs> and then the second one, me and Jack did in my dad's basement. Um, it was super fun. I, I I had a great time. You know what? I'm literally wearing the exact same outfit from that video. Are you really? Yeah, God, it's, that's it's funny. funny. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I rem- you know, I, I don't remember you wearing that outfit, but I do remember the second one. Was it was it full band? For no, the second time was, you guys did yeah. the virtual? It was, just, it was acoustic. It was acoustic. Okay. They I'm, asked us if we could do it full band, and we would have liked to. And there, were, there was a few other bands doing it acoustic, and I guess it, it kind of made the most sense for us right then. Jack had like just come back, which I'm sure someone will touch on later in the podcast. But Jack had like just kind of come back to the band, and um, it was just like kind of really. It was like it was like our first like performance, so to speak. It was like our, like our warm welcome back. It was so nice. Yeah, um, it's it's it actually a lot of fun to record. We'll probably yeah. we'll do it again for fun at some point. It was really nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot that's happened since we last like actually saw each other face to face. Because I'm pretty sure that was probably the last time was back in 2019. You yes. know, or, or maybe that was 2020. It, one of those two. I wore a uniform onesie. That was the most, that was the most memorable thing for me. You know, the the pandemic, and I know I'm not the only one, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. It's like thrown off my perception of time. Completely. Yeah. It's like I, a whole year of what we would have had for like work, playing shows and stuff just didn't happen, basically, which was necessary, obviously. But, um, yeah. you know, it definitely throws off my perception. Like, that show was in 2020, but I feel like it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, like, that was in 2019, but I feel like it was last week. You know, so yeah. I forget basic things, time related. Like I have to question how old I am all the time because you know <laughs> we entered the pandemic. I was twenty one. Now I'm twenty three. I was like, what am I twenty four now? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're probably confused. Like I'm still in that twenty one stage. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. like, my maturity got paused. Hasn't really advanced since we, you know, since like March twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, and um, I remember. When I did see you guys play, though, that was 
uh, Alex, that was before you were a dad. And I think even before yeah. that was ever thought of. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and you were that. you were probably still a teenager or about Actually, to, about to be 20. That's a good. I was nine. Oh, shit. Wow. I don't. Yeah. If that if it's. God, the timeline of my brain is fucked. Back to that, right? Yeah, back to that whole timeline thing. I think it was winter of 2020. Okay, I know. I, if I'm if I remember this correctly, it was January 2021. Like we was still like so like winter of 2020, January 2021, I believe. And yeah, because uh, we played a show. Like two shows before that was when I told everybody like, "Oh, I'm gonna be a dad." I think, I think, but maybe it was 2019. No, yeah, I think it was definitely 2019. Yeah, I don't know. We didn't play any shows in January 2021. That was still pandemic time. That was still pan. Yeah, yeah. Still, that would have oh, been yeah, earlier. Well, this year. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> long. <laughs> well, to to figure it out, like since then, you actually have two kids now. I have two kids. <laughs> <I do. laughs> So, you know, congratulations, Thank by you, the way. Um, so and I love the <laughs> I love the, the the Facebook statuses you put up about still being a virgin. And, I, and I'm like, I, I don't know how this happened. I don't like I don't understand it, but I just go along with it because I think it's hilarious. And everyone else is like they either think it's funny as well or they're like what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? You have two my, kids. My 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 grandmother's very confused. She's very, really, very confused. <laughs> did and you then, tell did you tell her you're like the Virgin Mary except yes. a male? It was like, like yes. It was like like, you know, it just kinda happened. It just it just wasn't there one day and then it was. That's all. You know, I don't know how. Again, virgin. But yeah. I mean, they do have ways of um extracting you know, semen yes. when like a person is dead or asleep or I mean, it could have, I remember seeing a, an episode of I'm a big law and order SVU fan. And, and I love like, this is kind of graphic, but maybe someone else remembers this episode um, where it was like this, very well-known famous author he's very wealthy but he was like it's like in his 80s and his wife was like i don't know in her 40s and she wanted a kid with him and so like he's on his deathbed in this scene in this episode of law and order svu and he, he he had either just passed away or he's about to, and they were about to stick some type of device in him uh, in order to harvest his seed, you know? And I'm just like, that's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> it's just so bizarre and so weird on so many different levels. It is weird. It's the future. Yes, <laughs> but... So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's more than possible this day and age. Obviously that's not why you guys are here. Um, <laughs> this is what we're talking about with the amount of time we have. Perfect. How many people have stopped listening now? Um, the, besides becoming a dad, Alex, um, bad planning, you guys recently are now signed. Yes. So how did that come about? 
Um, so to kind of like back it up, I mean, Jumpstart is a, such a great label. Like just the amount of talent that's come through and released and worked with that label is kind of unreal, especially for us. Like, because those the, the bands that we're talking about are some of our favorites. Um, you know, since high school, you've been listening to MXPX. Obviously, they worked with Jumpstart. You, you've had my career on the show. Um, uh, Crucial Dudes. Crucial Dudes, Wilhelm Scream, uh, Belvedere, yeah. New Vandal. Like, uh, so many amazing bands. Um, so it was always, like, kind of like a dream of ours to be to be a part of, you know, that group. Um, and so when we were finally ready to, like, all right, we're going to do an album as opposed to like a five song or something like that, uh, like EP or whatever, we were very excited. We wanted to like make the most of it. So just a steady stream of, you know, emails and um, trying to get in touch with uh, Jeremy, who's been amazing and been awesome this whole time. Um, and just, you know, setting our demo, setting a, setting a final version and kind of like our plan and how we wanted to lay out um, this record that's that's all it is it was really just us advocating for ourselves we don't have like an agent or a manager or anything so we kind of everything we do has to kind of come from us um and you know jeremy was awesome and gracious enough to to take us on and wanted to put out the record and you know i you know he likes the songs and that just that meant the world to us just knowing that he's put out so many awesome records i mean people have heard me not shut up about crucial dudes for years now and you know it's like the you know, uh, 61 pen is a jumpstart record. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been great. And Jeremy's awesome. And he set us up with Mike from Earshot Media. So, you know, shout out to Mike. I was going to say, you guys, you have one of the greatest publicists yeah, in, in music history, in yes, my opinion, anyway. Absolutely. And, he, um, you know, he, even just that group, like being a part of that media group has, has been unreal too. Like some, some of our favorite bands were also on that media group, like the label and the media group, right? So, like, two of the biggest bands that probably influenced at, uh, the uh, album we're going to put out at, at, at Forte's are, like, such gold and rest easy, and they're both on earshot. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I don't want to add anything to that, Jack? No, I mean, I can only echo just everything you said. Like, you, you go to Jumpstart or Earshot's website, and you just scroll through the bands they represent and have worked with, and it's like... Oh, I listened to that band uh, two hours ago. Um, okay, yeah, yeah I streamed that on repeat like a month and a half yep. ago. Like that's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites. Um, so just to be a part of that, it's been pretty unreal for us. Yeah, part. that's awesome. Yeah, I think being able to work with Mike and then have Jumpstart in the mix as well is pretty cool because Mike from Earshot, he's literally worked with almost everybody we know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, or like everyone we listened, like started listening to as kids and still mm-hmm. listen to as adults, you know? Um, so he's, yeah, he's one of my favorite PR people to work yes. with on a regular basis. Um, and also, you know, getting to, I, I, Alex, I remember you messaging me probably earlier this year and you were like, yeah, we're working on, um, you know, a new EP or like a full length or whatever. And, I, mm-hmm. and that, that's when you're like, I want to get on the show, blah, 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 to talk about this. Then I think all this, I, this, then maybe Jumpstart came after that. I don't know if you probably. had, I don't know if you had secured that at the time. So. So I, yeah, you're, I definitely remember in that conversation and, you know, wanting to be on the show, the, um, when I texted you about all that or messaged you rather, you know, whatever, 
Um, we had we had a year without sleep finish. I think we might have been in the studio for the rest of it because a year without sleep was on the record. Um, and we actually hadn't secured like for sure secured the work with Jumpstart until we actually sent like our final versions of the, the songs that will, that will become at at, at Fortes. I can't say that without stuttering. <laughs> that's a that's a hard one. Um, so. I, I don't know if we had, we were probably in conversations yeah. for quite some time, just kind of going back and forth about like, um, like just pretty much the songs at that point. But yeah, we hadn't fully secured it until probably May. And I think that conversation was in the fall or winter. So, yeah. And I mean, between now and then you did put out a split as well. The split was from, so again. Oh, was that from last year? Yeah. It was the split was from year. last year. See, there we go with the whole timeline thing again. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that split with us, Semester Abroad. Yep. Okay. Yeah. See, for some reason, that's how long this pandemic has going, oh, been yeah. going on for, where oh, 2021 yeah. feels like literally the same as 2020. It does. It's kind of like, it's like converged. Yeah, exactly. So. This new release, this new EP is coming out next year, right? Yep. Yeah. The, uh, so what it's sometime early 2022. And then as of right now, it's looking more like closer to maybe like spring 2022. Um, you know, and that is, that's actually really great considering a lot of bands, other uh, release plans are getting pushed back sometimes a whole year. So, um, you know, Jerry has been very, you know, gracious and helpful and, you know, you know, keeping us in, definitely keeping us in the loop about like where we're at in the process. It looks like we're actually making a pretty good process from our stream with emails with them and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. we're very excited. I don't want to add anything to that, but. It's funny how first it was the actual virus that was prolonging the release of everyone's new music, but now I guess it's not it I guess it's still the virus that's preventing the release of new music except it's more of like the repercussions like the yes. the uh now I feel like it's not because of the pandemic directly it's because of the the vinyl manufacturers are yeah. so backed up now yeah. and uh, that's because also of the pandemic and the, all these supply shortages and and workforce shortages it's like whoever thought that was going to happen two years you know. year after right yeah yeah i remember i i, I didn't i didn't grasp that it, it was it was hitting like small bands like us obviously like the shortages on like you know vital and whatnot but it was also like it, it was getting up to like, you know, bigger bands too. Like I saw Laura Jane Grace, she tweeted something about how, like, if anybody had a release plan for 2022, like that's a, they're a huge giant band. You think that they would just have more resources, but mm -hmm. like, it really hit pretty much bands of every level. It seems like lower and lower. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's going to be one of those things where a person orders a vinyl record and it takes so long to get to them that they completely forgot about it. Yeah. And it just shows up one day, like several months later. And they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I forgot about this. Yeah. And it'll be like a nice, it'll be like a nice little surprise, you know? Yeah. 
Um, so with, you know, with that being said, I mean, you know, it, it's going to be uh, sometime, it sounds like spring 2022. What are you guys doing with that time, you know, in, in between, between now and then? Yeah, I mean, we're we're trying to play as many shows as we can. We we played five shows in October. Yeah, we're trying to to book I me mean, more in the coming months, um, just so we can get out and play in front of people, and also just like have fun. We just came off, you know, a, a full year of not doing anything, so we just want to get out there, um, full release out or or not. Um, we just want to play shows. Um, and we have a goal of writing more too. Like Alex said, like with, with releases probably getting pushed back just because of all the shortages. Um, we want to keep writing. We, we don't want to stop. So goals is, you know, get back in and record at some point, um, get some new ideas into demo form and, yeah. and go from there. We've got some, uh, you got a couple songs that we're like, I'd say writing wise, we're just about done with. Yeah. Um, and they are, we're proud of them. Yeah, right now. Say the least. They're going to, I mean, they'll come out eventually and everyone will be able to hear them. Um, but the, the ones that we're writing right now um, are awesome. We're, we're well, that sounds fake as fuck. I'm sorry. The songs that we're writing right now, we are <laughs> happy with how they are sounding. We're very <laughs> about it. Yeah. I knew, I, knew, I knew what you meant, but. Well, I also will be up to the listener. How about that? Yeah, there, there you go. I, I, from my standpoint, though, um, I'm thoroughly impressed with how your songwriting skills have progressed well, just since you. the time I met you a couple years ago oh, to yeah. now. Um, there's a big difference in, you know, recording value um, and the songwriting value as well. And what I love about Bad Planning, it's a mishmash of punk rock styles. Thank you, man. Yes. From like yes. over the decades, you know, oh, it, you. it goes from, okay, these, ki- these guys maybe remind me of like the Menzingers, but then all of a sudden you pull all the stops and it sounds like I'm listening to like, uh, a hardcore punk band from wow. like the nineties, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. That's that's the goal. Our favorite bands do that. Like one of, I'd say one of our favorite bands and probably, you know, we kind of aforementioned them, but the band such gold was really huge in kind of showing us that you can, that you, you, you can have both worlds. Like they kind of live in like that, like a lot of hardcore world and the, and, the, and the pop punk world and like the uh like kind of the straight up punk rock world but um the, the best bands do that you know like even like four years strong like sometimes you're like this is like a straight up you know like a lot of hardcore band or it's a pop punk band um you know and it's because our favorite bands do that it's just become like well why can't we write a hardcore song and like a you know kind of like softer you know punk rock kind of like ballad type song yeah absolutely yeah and you just kind of hit on it there too like our influences are all over the map too yes right i mean you just mentioned the menzingers that's definitely one we both listen to um but it can go from like the menzingers it can go from american football to to snap case right yeah. it could be like beat down hardcore and we're just like we want to write this stuff yeah. but we also want it to kind of sound like the other stuff and all kind of finds its way to the same song yeah um but for the same album yeah yeah, and that's uh, that's what I love. I love those surprises. People probably get tired of me saying that on the show, but I love bands that surprise you, and you don't kind of expect like the same kind of formula over and over again, you know. And um, 
Yeah, I just, I feel, as a songwriter myself, I feel like I stuck to that a little too much. So I admire, I, I admire it extremely when I see other songwriters just changing it up, you know. You've been in a few bands, right? Um, honestly, I've only been in two bands, uh, The Projection and then the Green Day Tribute Band I'm okay. currently in. Those dude, are literally dude, the only bands I've been in. The Projection, I can't find it. I've like books before. Is, is, it, is it on like Spotify, iTunes? It's on Spotify, yeah. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta like look harder and like look again or something. Because like I remember like I saw a post about it like with your old spiky hair. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, dude, like this was good. Like 2001 is like a direct record kind of thing. Was a Victory Records thing? No, like a Director Records kind of sound. Oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah, it, right, yeah. We we had definitely more of the the two thousands, nineties, two thousands pop punk style. You know, we listen to that tonight. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, check it, check it out, and let me <laughs> let me know what you think. And if you have a good laugh or anything, let me know about that too. <laughs> Um, so before we close out, um, and I do want to play a year without sleep, um, but before we go, anything else you want to mention about, excuse me, about bad planning? Uh, sure. I mean, well, first of all, thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Yeah. This has been awesome. Uh, we got a couple of shows coming up in December. We are, we'll, we'll just say it right now, because or we weren't going to announce it until a little later, but, you know, why not? Uh, sure. Here's the deal, folks. We're shooting a music video December 18th in a live setting. Sweet. Uh, we would absolutely love for everyone to be there. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And there'll be some really awesome special guests. And we hope yeah. you guys can make it out. Awesome. Yeah. Well. And, uh, yeah, thanks for all the love and support everyone's given us. It's been huge. Shout out to Jeremy from Jumpstart Records. Shout out to Mike from Your Shot Media. Um, shout out to the Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast. Yeah, um, yeah, we were like fanboying before we came on here, right? <laughs> like because we're talking about like the talent pool. Yeah, like Bill Stevenson, Mike Herrera. Thank you, thank you, guys. But yeah. but see, to me, in my eyes, you're right up there with them. Oh, so wow. you know, high, man. thank you so much, bro. It, I just I love uh, meeting new people or or meeting people where we're like, yeah, we like know each other, but we don't like know know each other. Like you sure. know, so um, so it's good to finally make that connection, and uh, hopefully, you know, sometime down the line, we'll be able to do this again. So awesome. Love you. Thank you so much. We'd absolutely love to anytime, anytime. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have a great rest of the night. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you, man. You appreciate it. Thanks nope. for that, brother. No problem.
Without sleep here on Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast by Bad Planning. Let's uh, give Alex and Jack another round of applause. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. I'm glad that uh, we can finally make it happen. Uh, don't forget our wonderful title title sponsor, Pop Punk Takeout. They're a monthly subscription box that delivers merchandise from pop punk artists from all over the world directly to your door in a takeout box. And they have two different versions you can choose from, one that's larger, one that's smaller. And also, in honor of the holidays, they have, for the very first time, a very Pop Punk Christmas Volume 1 compilation disc uh, CD that uh, you can order right now at poppunktakeout.com. It includes a lot of artists that have actually been here on the podcast. So like uh, Settle Your Scores, TLB, Tiny Kingdoms, Eugene Levy, um, uh, College Radio. The list goes on and on and on. Uh, It actually does not ship until December 13th, but you can buy the compilation right now at poppunktakeout.com. Please uh, be sure to give them a follow on social media as well at Pop Punk Takeout. So, without further ado, our main guest this evening I want to introduce to you is the guitarist of Tsunami Bomb, but also has his own record label as well. Let's welcome Andy, I believe it's Paul, to the show, but he's going to correct me if I'm wrong. Hey, how's it going? Is it Paul? Is that how you pronounce your last name? Yeah, Paul. You had it okay. right for sure. 
I wasn't sure. Like, I guess I'm sure you get that a lot. They're not really sure with the O-H-L, but I'm like, well, that's got to be pole. It's just yeah. spelt a different way. Um, but yeah, welcome. Welcome to Pop Punk and Pizza, Andy. It's so good to finally meet you in person. Yeah, or yeah. Thank virtually. You so much. Anyway. <laughs> I, uh, I I feel like uh, kind of like with bad planning, this was another one that kind of took a little bit of time to to uh, finally happen. But I'm glad it finally did. Um, you had reached out to me several months ago um, about being on the show, but also getting some of your artists on your record label onto the show as well, which that's actually going to be coming up uh, next week. We're, we're going to have Bumsy and the Moochers on. Um, which I'm super stoked about that. Um, but let's first, before we get into the label side of things, uh, how did you end up getting in Tsunami Bomb? Because I know what you entered, to, like it was like end of last decade, right? Like 2017 or so? Approximately, yeah. Like I, I can't remember the exact date of like when I was kind of, brought into the fold um because initially i got brought in essentially as like a hired gun where i was going to be coming in as the guitarist um when they played shows uh but it hadn't been formally you know put together that i was going to be a full-time member of the band um and it, it was i think about six or seven months later right around december of that year uh, that they formally said, Hey, you know, we've, we've all talked about it and like, we love you. We'd like to have you, you know, become like a full-time member of the band. So, yeah. That's awesome. How, how did that, did you just know the band? How did you come across that opportunity? So, yeah, I, I've actually known uh tsunami bomb in its various, you know, incantations since pretty much day one. Okay. Um, a little, little known fact, I was actually at their first show ever. Um, no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, wow. I was attending college in the central Valley of California and just South of where I was going to school, there was this little town called Merced, uh, which had a very small DIY all ages punk venue, nice. um, called the fatty mocha. And <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. The, the, the band had, the band had a show in their hometown booked for the following night. But what they chose to do was to do kind of a warm up show in a town that was out of town, you know, a place that was out of town. Okay. Um, you know, so I, I think it was just kind of like to get their feet wet, you know, coming into their first official hometown show, which I thought was really smart, actually. Yeah, that's no really smart. That's really smart for just starting out, you know, I mean, as a right. band. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I had no idea about the band. I knew a few people in the band just from previous bands that they had been in, mm-hmm. but I really knew nothing about the band, but yeah, I was at their first show ever. Wow. And, uh, just through the years I've played, sh- I played shows with them and the bands that I was in just kind of got, to, became friendly with them. Uh, another band, a band that I was in for a little while, I actually did like a full tour with them prior to my being in the band. Okay. Uh, at, 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 at that time, but needless to say, I- I've had a relationship with the band for as long as they've been around. Yeah. So that, that probably definitely helped like put your foot in the door after, you know, touring with them and your other band, maybe it was, they, when it kind of crossed their mind, oh, we need a guitar player. Well, why don't we ask Andy? (laughs) Well, (laughs) and and actually the the circumstances around being asked uh, to come in, you know, within the last few years was really because at the time I was living with Dominic. 
Um, oh, yeah, we were, okay. we were housemates in, uh, Oakland, California. And, okay. you know, so I, I saw what was stirring and I was kind of there when the band decided to kind of regroup and release trust no one. And they did their first initial shows and, you know, uh, it was, it was great to, to get reacquainted with, with Brian and, you know, uh, Oubliette and Gabe, and then, you know, to meet Kate. And so I, I got to see firsthand, like what was going on and, you know, because Dominic and I were living together, you know, he, he and I would just kind of, you know, we, we would just talk about it a lot. Um, and then, you know, as time moved on, Brian had to leave. Um, and then they had Chris LaForge come in for a little while, um, not as a permanent member, but pretty much as like a hired gun, you know, kind of like what I initially got brought in. Yeah. Um, Chris, you know, was great. And, you know, I mean, may he rest in peace. Unfortunately, he passed away um, shortly after uh, I got brought into the band and, you know, it, it's not like he left under bad circumstances or anything. It's just, it was more like a, a, a logistical thing where he was living in Texas. And I, I think just it made more sense for them to try to work with somebody who was more local. Um, and I, you know, uh, I cannot necessarily, uh, for sure know the exact reasons, uh, in total why they chose to no longer work with him, but ultimately they asked me, and I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, let's do this. I'd, yeah. I'd love to be on board. Yeah. That's awesome. Because mm-hmm. um, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, Tsunami Bomb's actually from Arizona, right? No, no. The, ba- the band's from Petaluma, California. For some reason, I had Arizona in my brain and I have no idea why. Well, I, I can say for sure, just through my knowledge of the history of the band, apparently Arizona was one of the first places outside of their hometown where they did build a, a pretty large following maybe um, that's I, why yeah like uh, from from what i've heard it was shows in the arizona area um that really kind of made a splash for i think joe escalante at kung fu because I think that they, I think what happens if if memory serves, they had a few shows with the Vandals, and I think that took them to Arizona. And because of the response they had, I think Joe Escalante was like, "Oh, who's this?" You know? Yeah, and um, and uh, Vandals were on Kung Fu, right? Well, Joe Escalante, who's the bassist for the Vandals, mm-hmm. owned Kung Fu. He's the one who started okay. the label. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. See, I didn't know that connection. Mainly when I think of Kung Fu, I just think of all the uh, the show must go off DVDs. Like that's right. the, the main thing I think of. I know there was other things that they did, but I felt like that series was widely known and they had produced like so many of my favorite bands live shows in that that series you know in fact i still upstairs if i go upstairs i've still got like two or three of the of the dvds i've got the the goldfinger one the real big fish one and i think one other one i can't remember but i mean yeah they, they did a bunch they, they, i know they have an alkaline trio one that's pretty yeah. great um you know obviously tsunami bomb did one yes um yeah and like it, it, i think that kung fu records um was a pretty good outlier within that whole kind of 90s punk boom you know because you had fat which i mean i'm not trying to cast aspersions against fat records but they have a sound you know like there's kind of like this fat sound yeah um epitaph for a while kind of had their thing 
Um, but I think Kung Fu did a good job at really mixing things up a little bit. Um, uh, you know, you had uh, Tsunami Bomb, you had obviously the Vandal stuff, you had a sort of Jelly Beans, um, you know, and um, God, who, who else was on that label for me? Oh, I think, yeah, the Ataris, I think, released a record on there. Okay. Um, Audio Karate, you know. Audio, I was, that's, that's the one I was thinking of. I was like, who, who yeah. was it? It was them. Um, whatever happened to Kung Fu? Are they still around? I, I don't really, I have not heard anything about them in, in a long time. So Kung Fu as a label still exists. Um, from what I understand, it got, um, it basically got bought by a, a bigger umbrella company. Okay. And so I, 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 I think, yeah, Cleopatra Records is who effectively now owns the Kung Fu um, brand. Okay. You know? I'm, I'm familiar with, I think, I think I was introduced to Cleopatra when, oh, that was sometime in the last couple of years, I think, when I had first heard of Cleopatra Records. And I'm trying to remember what band it was that was pushing a release. I well, guess they, they work with a lot of bands um, they like, do. and it, it's, it's a surprising number of bands actually and from what i gather cleopatra uh in terms of what they did with kung fu it isn't the first time that they've done that where they've just essentially purchased you know the the old catalogs from you know these smaller labels and it's essentially just brought them into their umbrella and it, it's in a lot of ways a pretty good business model because you're effectively just bringing in, you know, a, a huge catalog, yeah. which, you know, hopefully over time will pay itself off and then reap dividends, you know? Absolutely. It was buck Oh nine. That's what I was trying to think uh, of. Okay. I know. Yeah. I, I believe their, the last full length they did was through Cleopatra um, or they did something with Cleopatra. Uh, Cause I remember talking with them about that when, when they were on the podcast, um, a couple of years ago, which doesn't really, I know it doesn't really matter, but it was like, it was, but you know, how those things bug you. You're like, it's on the tip of your tongue, but you can't think of it. Sure. Um, but, um, but let's talk about your label. Um, you know, sell the heart records. When did that come into play for you? And, and was, was this something you started before joining tsunami bomb or was this after the fact? Yeah, so Sell the Heart Records started before my time in Tsunami Bomb. It started r right around 2010. Uh, I was living in the Santa Rosa area, like North Bay, California. And really, it was a group of friends of mine. We, we kind of got together and thought that it might be cool to you know, start a label and kind of document the music scene that was happening at the time. It was, it was really flourishing. You know, there was a good vibrant music scene up there and there's a lot of interesting bands. Like, you know, you had punk indie rock, like indie rock was like really big, like a lot of that angular kind of minus the berry kind of, you know, indie rock. Um, and, uh, there, there were a couple of labels that existed, but most of which were just kind of in name only, like they weren't actually doing anything. And so we, we, we thought that that would be kind of cool. And we had these grand ideas that, you know, we wanted to like build like this kind of big machine that would be this kind of all in one stop for a band where you could take a band, you could release the record, you could, you know, manage them per se, like, you know, it kind of helped them book shows, like do the yep. PR for them. Like it would all be in house. Right. And it's, it's not a new idea. Like, you know, there's no. plenty of labels that do this, but yep. 
but no one was really doing that for these really, really, really small bands, right? Um, usually by the time that you've gotten to the point where you're working with a label that can do all of that, you've already you know, built a pretty big following on your own, right? Yeah, and, and you've already got your your manager and your booking agent usually separately, you know. Right, and so. we wanted to try to bring something, you know, very much in the DIY spirit, but that would encompass a lot of those same facets for on a smaller scale, right? Okay. Yeah. And it started in earnest and you know we 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 had a great a lot of great ideas, but I think unfortunately just because of you know not really understanding a lot of how like these mechanisms work and like also not really having a lot of I guess things to do, um we we just didn't necessarily have um a lot going that initial year, right? Because here we are, like we're all pretty broke and a lot of this costs money and then you have to have the time um, and we're all busy. And so it eventually kind of became this thing that I was kind of leading the the charge on. And it's not because of nobody else really caring. It was just more like, yeah, there's not really much for anyone else to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of kept going with it and I was working with a couple of local artists and then I started branching out and I worked with a couple bands from around the Northern California area. We released a few records um, and it was okay. I mean, you know, how do you really gauge what success looks like, you know, when you've never done something? Um, And, you know, we we saw a few bands do some really cool things, but then a few bands kind of fell by the wayside and it didn't really stick. And, and, and so, that's all part of it. Right. You know, and, and yeah. that's that's got to be the hard part of, you know, because you're investing money and time into that artist and you're like hoping that they don't fizzle and right. then they do. And you didn't maybe you didn't make your return. And it's, you know, but I suppose that's life. Right. <laughs> Well, right. And um, I mean, I, I've said this on a few different podcasts and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that I'm not the first person to say this at all. Um, w- one of the best pieces of advice that I got was from uh, this guy I know named Josh Staples, who's, you know, he plays in the band, the Velveteen, he plays in the band, the new trust. Um, he actually had his own record label with his partner uh, for many years. Uh, and I remember I asked him one time, I was like, Hey man, you, do you have any advice I'm starting? And he's like, just don't like, it's a money pit. You know, it's a time suck. Yeah, it, it it ends up really being kind of crappy. You know, and and you know, I understood what he meant. Like, I mean, he he obviously enjoyed it, and it's a labor of love. And I think that that's really what he was trying to say. It's like, dude, don't do it. Trying to expect that you're going to make any money. And and I I get that. Like, I understand that this kind of an endeavor, um, unless you have like an unlimited pool of resources to just kind of throw away. It really is something where you kind of have to go into it like you would if you were going to like say Vegas to to gamble, you know, or 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 making an investment in a stock, like only put in as much as you're willing to lose, really. Right. Yeah. And that's that's really been my MO this entire time is if I take band X and if I, you know, am convinced that they've got all of the pieces that I would kind of require, you know, to work with them, I'm willing to put X number of dollars in with the long-term goal of breaking even like long-term, 
right? So even if it doesn't happen within 90 days, a year, or even two years, if 10 years from now, I see that that has come back to me in some way, shape, or form, either through digital sales or streaming or, you know, 10 years from now selling their LP for $2, you know, because nobody else wanted to buy it. That's fine. As far as I'm concerned, what, what I really hope though, is that they can see that that expectation is really, I, I think realistic and, and cause I, I don't want to work with bands that have their heads in the clouds thinking like, Oh, like it's going to take off and it's gonna be awesome. And it's like, Whoa, easy. You know, you can take a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Usually that, that return is slow, mm-hmm. you know, as, as you pointed out, like that's a, I mean, just think about, uh, I don't know if, I guess it's similar how, how sometimes it'll take a band 10 or 20 years to their, like their well-known debut record. It'll take 10 or 20 years and it'll finally sell a million copies, mm-hmm. you know, like it took that long. And so sometimes it it could definitely take that long on a smaller scale to just break even or to pay off well and and you know it's funny you mentioned you know a band who's been around for like 20 years right and to see and and we're talking about bands that are pretty big like to tell a million copies of anything is insane like i mean that that number just get out you you should have it out of your head you know a million is just like don't even think about it right (laughs) but yeah by, by the time you've reached that it's like dude you're you're like huge, you know, but, <laughs> but still, but, I mean, but a, a, an average kind of general speaking band could very well see a million streams of their, of, of their song. Like yeah. that's, that's not out of the picture at all. I mean, no. shoot, you can, you can post something on TikTok, and if it catches fire, it gets a million views in a day. Yes, it's it's crazy, you know, so there there are mechanisms in place that bands can utilize to get that kind of coverage and to get that kind of audience. Um, it, it really just depends on which mechanisms you want to use and which ones you're most comfortable with. Do you want to go with like the traditional way of doing it? Where it's like, OK, we record album, we release album, we put album out, we try to sell it. Hopefully we sell all of them. Or do you want to become a TikTok band and like just really only produce stuff and put it on little videos? And I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. As a matter of fact, it's like, do more power to you, you know? Yeah. yeah. But really what I think is the, the, I guess, wisest way to do it is to incorporate all of those things. And there can be a lot of pushback about that from, from artists because they're like, well, I don't want to take the time and it, and it takes away from the music. It takes from the soul of it. And, I, I get that, you know, but in this, in this paradigm that we're in and it, it, I, I think more of it comes down to like a mindset shift where you're like, okay, this is a tool. I'm going to use the tool. I have to learn to use it. I'm going to make it work for me, you know, with, with the way that I'm comfortable and whatever that yields, just be happy with, you know? Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that it's something I've been toying around in my mind too about TikTok. You know, that's like the latest tool that everyone's using to promote whatever it is that they've got going on, you know, music, especially. Um, And it's like, you can 
use those things. Um, but you don't have to do like what someone else is, is doing, you know, you just got to find a way to, to harness being yourself that is also engaging, which is difficult, but it's not impossible. You not know? at all. If that makes sense, like you just got to just because you start a TikTok doesn't mean you have to like all of a sudden act like this crazy ass person. And like, that's not you at all. Why would you want to be like, you don't have to be fake about it. You just got to find a way to be yourself. That's also going to engage properly to get the kind of return that you want, you know? Uh, Absolutely. And, and I mean, I've seen, I've seen some bands really leverage like for instance tiktok in a way that has really worked for them and a lot of it can absolutely be about the music and your art but um it, like you said it, you just you kind of have to trial and error it a little bit because you know the the, the people that are going viral on tiktok I I don't I don't think that there's really a rhyme and a reason to it. Like it's either awesome and people get attached to it super fast and it just catches fire or maybe it's the familiarity piece or maybe it's just because of this stew of like the visual and the 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 audible and it, maybe just the I don't know the timing, you know, and and I don't know. I mean you're never going to know unless you give it a shot. And I I think if you, I think that for people that are like discrediting it, like right out of the gate, that's you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yes. Yeah. So it's like you've already lost. Yeah. (laughs) Like you haven't even tried it, you know, right. And you're already shooting it down. Right. I suppose it's like anything else. It's like, um, you know, quote, quote unquote, making it big. Mm -hmm as an artist like right th- that's that's also you're talking about uh the right place the right time it's kind of the same thing with a viral video sometimes it just happens to be the right place the right time that that video is uploaded and the right person sees it and they share it and let's say that person has you know five million followers and then that's all it you know or maybe there's multiple accounts that have millions of followers that share, right. you know, your, your TikTok, and they just happen to have seen it because you just happen to have posted it at the right time. So, right. you know, that's, that's another, I mean, the chances, I'm sure the chances of that are pretty slim too, considering all the people in the world. And there's like, what, like 3 billion users on TikTok. I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and when you consider how many billions of people are using it and you think about somebody having a million views of their video, I mean, that's a very small percentage. Yeah. You know? Right. And that's a million, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's wild. That's definitely been a big subject on the podcast this last year is TikTok. Um, You know, and I've noticed that a lot of of artists or celebrities have started to jump on the bandwagon. And I and I think it's just because they've seen they're like watching some of these younger up and coming artists like get these great responses and and promotion on tiktok so they're like okay they're like i got this you know 
and they just start they start doing the same thing and it 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 goes well for them you know like right now we're i i can't remember if i was talking about this on the podcast or off the podcast with someone but we were talking about uh pierre from simple plan like he's been doing really well on tiktok you know so someone who's already um got that foundation for themselves is using that tool to help even further right yeah i mean he certainly wouldn't be the first person i mean you've got people like i i know it was mentioned with the other band like mike herrera you know from mxpx like he's got a podcast it's like a really popular podcast or um damian alberum from um or no i'm sorry damian abraham from um uh the band effed up you know is it cool to swear on this yeah no you can yeah nope yep yeah (laughs) Yeah. well he's yeah he's from the band fucked up like he has a really popular podcast called turn out a punk right okay i didn't realize that was his yeah and like you know there's a bunch of different people like within the music community like not even just the punk rock you know landscape that have gone on and like they've built huge platforms on various channels like either tiktok or patreon or you know uh instagram i mean i i mean you kind of got to pick your poison i mean each each one of these different vehicles operates in a different way and and a lot of them change the rules on you really quickly and like you kind of gotta get used to it and and it becomes a drag like i will i will tell you straight up like as somebody who kind of has to stay on top of this stuff like to the best of my ability and the amount of time that i have to dedicate to it the only the only one that makes any real sense to me is is honestly uh uh honestly it's tiktok because tiktok just seems like just be yourself be natural and like whatever you know people will people will either respond to it or they won't right while as facebook is just a dying it's a dinosaur you know like yeah they've completely shut off any kind of organic engagement so it's like using it is a completely useless waste of time Mm -hmm. as far as i'm concerned however you still need to have it because it's like your key to everything else right yeah it's weird how that works right it's like even though you don't get a a big it's a very small uh response but it's like you still need it though you know and it's funny because i'll i'll be scrolling through my feed and i'll see a a post from you know, a, a really well-known band. And I see that, you know, that picture like got over a thousand likes, you know, and I'm like, man, I wish I could get a thousand likes. But then if you go to said band's page and you see actually in total, how many the page uh, has, let's say it's 2 million mm-hmm. and they only got a, a, a thousand or 2000 likes on a page. Like what the hell is that? <laughs> You know, yeah, it's like, it's, what, what is that? <laughs> it's, it's such a, like, I, there's been a lot of talk about this, like the, the whole dissonance between, you know, when, when, when we look at social media and like the way that we respond to it. Right. And I know we're kind of getting off topic here, but no, like, I um, feel like this is right on topic with a record label and being in a band and, or and like, honestly, any creative outlet, this is all stuff we're talking about, you know? Sure. Yeah. I, I can see, I can see that for sure. But like when, when, when you look at the way that you personally are responding to how any given post 
you know, uh, gets uh, reacted to, right? And I'm not saying that this is specific to artists, but I think it's, I think in some ways it's more relevant to artists and for people who are making a product, whether or not it's physical or not, right? You're, you're constantly trying to get it in front of as many people as you possibly can. And you're trying to see what people are going to do with it. Right. And yeah, like when, when they've effectively closed the gate on any kind of natural movement, right it's, it's soul crushing. Right. And it's this pay to play paradigm. And in a lot of ways, like they, they kind of frame it as like, well, if people cared about it enough, they would like it, you know, and then that would tick up the algorithm and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no dude, because it didn't work that way. Like just two years ago, like two years ago, it was a completely different animal. Like you'd see way more engagement. You'd see way more this and that. So it's obvious that they're closing, you know, the, uh, the gates on you, you know, and Absolutely. Like, the, like the, the funnel is, is being lessened. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's no wonder that people are either leaving these platforms altogether or they're just kind of saying, you know what, screw it. I don't want to do this anymore because it doesn't, it, it it's not working. Right. Yeah. And to, to that, I would always say it's like, you know, don't don't let that stuff like guide your your thinking, you know, because it's not real. It isn't real. You know, like, you know, the reactions you get from like a live show or like playing your music in front of people and like actually having like a real conversation with people like that's that's the, the real shit. You know, like that's the yes. stuff you really should care about. But it's 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 twisted, man. Like some somebody somebody used the word insidious the other day to talk about the effects that social media has on people. I, I actually thought that was very, very spot on. Cause I was like, dude, it's, it's true. It's yep. all planned. It's all, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be like all conspiracy theory like this, but there are people who are paid a lot of money to understand these things and, and to know the psychology behind how these things affect people. And well, it's absolutely done by design. Yeah. It, and it just going down to simply like, and this is, this is true to the core. This is, I feel like, a fact. Mm-hmm. You could post um, on your your uh, your fate, like your personal Facebook page right now, saying, "Hey, I've got Mark Hoppus from Blink One Eighty Two. He's putting out an album on, you know, sell the hard records, right? Um, and." Maybe you'll get a response from it. Maybe not. I'm guessing no. But then you can go on there and if you post um, a picture of your dad dying or like um, like of your cute kid or something like that, it seems like those things are the ones that get. Or if you share, I'm trying to think of the other thing. I just noticed that, you know, when you're actually promoting a product any kind of product whether as you said whether it's physical or not you post about that um you just don't get the reaction but if you're sharing something about uh, a death or a um i don't know what's another example like a cell like you bought a house or something yeah, yeah. okay there's yeah. another one you bought a yeah. house um and it seems like those things are the ones that get traction you know, like I will literally, if I post on my personal Facebook, say brand new episode of Pop Punk and Pizza out now with, you know, Andy from Tsunami Bomb, that might get 
two likes. But then if I post a picture of my son raking leaves, it'll get, you know, 100 likes. Right. Yeah. You know, so, so much of this is, is, um, it comes down to the technologies that are being used. There's like machine learning. There's, um, there's a concept of like, um, Oh, what's the, what's the word? Um, like there's algorithms that can basically like look at pictures and look at words and like what you've typed and they can basically make like an, like they can make a concept of like, is this selling something? Right. Yeah. And it throttles the hell out of it, you know? And you know, let's face it. Facebook is a business. It's always been a business. That's been the idea from day one, you know, or, or maybe not from day one, but day two, you know? So yeah. <laughs> it a thing, right? Yeah. Cause anytime you, t- anytime you get something that gains traction and you get that many users, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to monetize the hub. You're going <laughs> to find a way to make money off of it because that's, that's what people do. Yeah. You know? And I mean, it's a, do, you know? it's a publicly traded company. Right. And, so, it, and it's free to use. You're not forced to use it, you know? So I, I mean, like, what was it? So I, you know, in my, my day job, I work in programming, right? And so like, okay. you know, I, I got to learn some of this stuff like kind of firsthand when I learned how to become a programmer. And a lot yeah. of this stuff was like stuff that I kind of, I already kind of knew because of like the, just, just having used social media. But then I understood like what it was that it actually is. Dude, 90% of the internet is basically a giant bulletin board. That's all it is. It's just a bulletin board and you can leave comments. That's all it is. You know, it's not that complicated. But once you start advertising and like marketing and like all these things and you start bringing in all of these algorithms that are able to take literally millions of words at a time and just make these... um ideas of what it is that you're trying to invoke with what you're trying to push on your platform now it's it's more than that but they're going to try to milk every single dollar that they possibly can and if it's not you giving them money it's advertisers giving them money yeah by selling you stuff yeah and it's and it's it's <laughs> it's I love, frustrating. <laughs> I love, right. I love how we got into this whole thing, but I think yeah. it's just directly related to it all comes back to to music or like I said, anyone who's doing anything creative. It's just, you know, and I think that's another reason why TikTok has grown so quickly in just three years. You know? Right. And it's probably the same reason that uh, you know, I don't, th- I don't know if Snapchat had that same spike in growth or not when it first not came sure. out. I, I feel like it didn't, but regardless, you know. I, if memory serves, I think Snapchat, Snapchat kind of blew up and I think it blew up globally, but I don't think it hit in the United States the same way. I mean, I mean, I never, I never really used it. I, I like, I have it, but I, I don't think I've ever really used it. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, like TikTok really does feel like it's the one that if you were to put any real energy into any of them, it's probably the one that I would guide people to. Yeah, it's it's got, I think, the steeper learning curve, at least to learn how to really leverage it. Um, And I think it's probably going to take the most time to really make it worth your investment. 
but I think that it can yield the biggest return from that. Yeah, because you're the more you invest, usually the more your return is. Well, um, you know, and it's not even money. Like I, like, I think it would be just more about your time. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like in, investing your time, whereas right. like it's easy to just put a picture on Facebook and say, here, right. like, you know, but on TikTok, you actually, you really have to think like, you know, and I've, I've po- like pop punk and pizza has a TikTok, but I haven't done like anything that's like super, super, um, a, like creative or original kind of like how everyone else is doing on TikTok, just because I haven't put that time in yet. But the more we talk about this, the more I'm like, damn, I need to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I have a TikTok for the label. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure like what the right approach would be for me to really try to use it as a growth vehicle because like, sure. I could go on there. I could talk about the bands, you know, but I only work with X number of bands. Right. Yeah. So it, coming up with like fresh ideas every single day, uh, if you even want to use it every single day, which I mean, there's no real rule that says that you have to use it every day. Right. But the the main objective would be that anything you put out there is going to be of some kind of value, right? Yep. So that when somebody takes that moment to pause, to start looking at your content for even, what, what is it they say? You get three seconds, I think is like usually, you know, yeah. if, if, if that. You know? Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's about it. Right, <laughs> that's probably the the longest. You know, it, it might be a second or two, but yeah, three right. is probably the max. Yeah, so you got to hit them like right away with something that's gonna keep them coming, and it's gonna. I mean, because you know, I'm not a marketing genius. I'm not a person who's well versed on this stuff, but uh, I I think in so many ways, like you just kind of have to think about like what you like and what you respond to, and then consider the fact that there are more than likely a lot of people who act and think very similarly to you. And so if that's your key demographic, then maybe that's the type of content you should be looking into. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know that that's just a guess, you know, Yeah. but like a lot of, a lot of what I talk about is, you know, I talk about the bands, I talk, I talk about the releases. Um, I talk about maybe, you know, tour dates that are coming up and then maybe I'll just talk about like my favorite records or something like that. And then, what I found is the what what I found is really the key is you have to seek engagement. You know, like you have to try to ask questions. You have to ask questions that people are interested in answering. You know, yeah. Because you could just spit words and be basically yelling at people. You know, <laughs> and that's not always going to I think yield a lot. But if you start like that whole engagement process of like, Hey, what do you think about this? Or like, you know, I was thinking about this and I want to, you know, like that, that kind of stuff I think tends to yield more engagement, but yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially if you're talking about something that's uh, a, a passionate subject, you know, like for instance, something that gets brought up all the time on this podcast is, you know, whether pineapple on pizza is acceptable. Like that is something that people for some reason love to battle about and have that conversation. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like <laughs> you could easily do something on TikTok with pineapple and pea. And I'm sure someone has. I'm sure you could just go on TikTok right now and and like search pineapple pizza and there'd be, you know, all kinds of different things on it. 
Um, yeah, I'm I'm sure that there has been. Yeah. Yeah. But um the answer anyway. is yes, by the way. Pizza. Yeah, yeah. Pineapple yeah, on pizza. <laughs> Very acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> I think so too. I like yeah. pineapple on pizza. It's um, a nice acid, you know? Like it, it is. Mm-hmm. It, well, it's the sweet and salty. Mm-hmm combo yeah. you know totally. um but to <laughs> we could go on forever about social media and tiktok but hopefully i i think there is some valuable uh, information or just thoughts at least in what we were talking about um yeah. at least i think so but you know sell this to hard records what are some of the like the current releases that that you're pushing right now that you want people to check out Sure. Yeah. So, um, the, the ones we most recently announced, uh, that are coming out, uh, very soon, uh, this Friday actually is the full length from the band States of nature. They're a East Bay, um, they're kind of a mixture of like post-punk kind of garage, little psych rock, um, kind of desert rock vibe, you know, um, it's a, it's a compilation of three of their previous EPs, as well as two brand new tracks. Um, it is coming out on vinyl, but the vinyl will not be coming out for a little bit because of, you know, the backlog with all the vinyl. Yep. Uh, but we're releasing the album in full digitally this Friday. The album is called Songs to Sway. And uh, you can find them at our band camp. Uh, you can find them on streaming sites everywhere. They have their own band camp as well. I cannot recommend this band enough. They're incredible, great folks. Uh, features members of the band Dead to Me, Everybody Row. So um, there's a little bit of familiarity there. Great chops, great songs, super rad people. Cannot recommend them enough. Um, another band uh, that we're working with that has an album coming out later this year is called The Jukebox Romantics. They're kind of a heartfelt kind of pop punk band from the East Bay, or I'm sorry, East Coast, New York, to be specific. They've been around for many years. This is our first record with them. It's an EP. It's called Fires Forming. And uh, it's their first record in a few years. Uh, But like I said, they've been around for a long time. They've done a lot of touring. They actually, just before the pandemic hit, they did a a really rad tour with uh, Face to Face and Less Than Jake. So Maybe that's why their name sounds familiar. I'm like, why does that name sound so familiar? (laughs) Yeah. But they're great. They're really um, for folks who really like bands like, you know, uh, Bouncing Souls or like, you know, the uh, uh, who who else am I thinking of? Um, oh, what? They're the one with Brian Fallon in the band. Uh, Gaslight Anthem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. You know, so it's like kind of soulful, like kind of, you know, heartfelt punk rock. Cool. Uh, great sing alongs, you know. Um, and then uh, beyond that, we've had a few releases that came out not that long ago. We had a four-band split, seven-inch uh, oh, picture wow. disc. It featured the band Next Scars from New York, a band called American Thrills from Connecticut, a band called Tired Radio from New York, and then a band called Nightmares for a Week, who I, I think are from New York as well, if memory serves. They're kind of a super group, but uh, okay. they each had a song on the split. So it was four, It was like a, basically a mini comp, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that's cool. Um, yeah. And then um, previous to that, we had a, a three song, seven inch EP from a band called M Section, who were kind of more like thrash punk from the North Bay area. And uh, yeah, we're gearing into next year. We've already got a few things in the works, haven't announced it, anything yet, but we probably will in a few weeks, kind of gearing up to uh, start promoting those. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, where can everyone find you on, on social? Uh, you know, I'd, I'd say the place to really check us out would be Bandcamp. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just to kind of really quickly point on something about the whole social media thing. If there, <laughs> if there was a social network that I would really point people to in terms of music, go to Bandcamp because there is a social aspect to it. Like you can create a profile and you can follow people without buying anything. Like that's you can, true. That's you can true. just yeah. follow bands and labels like, and so you can always be aware of what's happening with them with no requirement for you to purchase anything, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, they set, you can set limits as to how often you can let people listen before they have to buy something. Yes. But a lot of bands just let people stream it no matter what. Right. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but anyway, I digress. Bandcamp. It's just sell the heart Um, you can also find us on Instagram, uh, sell the heart, uh, you can find us on TikTok, Sell the Heart Records. You can find us on Facebook, Sell the Heart. But seriously, don't even bother with Facebook. <laughs> As we were just talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, it's sellthehartrecords.com, right? Yeah, just www.sellthehartrecords.com. I try to keep that updated. Um, actually, I just did an update on that the other night. So it's got information and it'll link you to all of the relevant uh, places to find stuff. We also have a YouTube channel. You can just find it. It's uh, youtube.com slash sell the heart. Um, yeah. And then anything coming up with Tsunami Bomb this year? Uh, so not, I mean, this year through the end of the year, not really. Um, we've been kind of locked down writing new material. Sure. And so the goal is that next year we want to release a new record. Um, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, because we're, you know, we'll, we'll do a vinyl release. And so a lot of that will depend on the scheduling for vinyl. Uh, if the backlog is as bad as it's been, you know, depending on when we can record and get everything mixed and mastered, it could go into the next year, but fingers crossed, you know, we can kind of get things in for a, a release next year. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking that's might be that way for a lot of people. It'll be 2023, <laughs> you know, until yeah. and let's see, Tsunami Bomb. It was just in the last couple of years you had a new record, right? Yeah. So over the last few years, um, so in uh, November of 2019, we released uh, 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 the Spine That Binds, which was our 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 newest full length record. Of, of original material, new material. Uh, that, unfortunately, we didn't really get to promote well because, you know, a few months later, uh, the pandemic hit. And so right. we were able to play a few shows behind it, but we had plans to do more and fortunately it all got squashed. Um, but in that time, we released a couple of uh, seven inches. We released the um, uh, still standing seven inch. And then we had one that was two covers. It was Out of Touch, Hollow Notes and uh, Dead Man's Party. From, uh, <laughs> that's awesome yeah from uh, oingo boingo and uh you know then we yeah we started demoing for an, uh, a new uh record okay awesome well i'm looking forward to, to hearing that whenever it does happen to come out we just have to be patient <laughs> yeah it, it's coming like we're definitely working on it the songs are great i mean i have i have a feeling people are going to really be stoked on it it's um got songs have a lot of energy um yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Andy, thank you so much for your time. It was really great talking with you. I did not expect we were going to get into a whole social media debate, but mm-hmm. I actually loved that. So yeah, no problem. it's, it's always good to, to, uh, 
you know, kind of brainstorm with others or like know that we're not alone in our thinking, you know, kind of thing. So, and I know you and I obviously are are not the only ones that are thinking about this stuff, but, um, I, yeah, I enjoyed, uh, you know, geeking out, I guess. (laughs) My pleasure. I mean, yeah, this, this stuff is so, uh, it's interesting stuff. I mean, I think, yeah. it's easy, I think it's easy to feel kind of overwhelmed and burnt out on it all. Yep. You know, so, but you know, it's, it's fun to talk about. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, have a great rest of the night, Andy. And, and thanks again. Everyone needs to uh, support sell the heart records. Thanks so much. Yep. Appreciate it. No problem. All right. We'll give Andy one more round of applause. Thank you so much, Andy Pohl of uh, Sell the Heart Records, Tsunami Bomb, for being on the show. And to Alex and Jack of Bad Planning out of Chicago for being on the podcast as well earlier. Please uh, show some love and support to Bad Planning. And, of course, to Pop Punk Takeout. Go to poppunktakeout.com to uh, sign up for the monthly subscription service that delivers merch from pop punk artists from all over the world directly to your door. Also, a very Pop Punk Christmas Volume 2 compilation CD is available for pre-order right now that officially is going to be shipped on December 13th. Uh, You got Million Miler on that uh, comp. You also have TLB, which both Tom Higginson of Plain White Tees is a part of those projects. Uh, Tiny Kingdoms out of Chicago. You got Settle Your Scores. Uh, Cities Never Sleep. Uh, Eugene Levy, as I mentioned earlier. A lot of bands that have been on pop punk and pizza so uh poppunktakeout.com also follow them on socials at pop punk takeout and while you're at it follow us on social media at pop punk pizza pod and uh, pop punk you can catch up on previous episodes there or find links to your favorite podcast platform and uh, to buy merch as well like our wonderful lucky uh, chinese pizza cat t-shirt you can also get a hoodie of this um there's quite a few other uh options as well for uh this uh, really cool design where it's got a cat uh opening uh, a slice or he's opening a pizza box and uh he's you know he's helping himself to the whole pizza because why not right even pizza looks good to a cat i actually have a cat that will jump on the table while you're eating dinner because, well, he wants what you're eating. So um, use that promo code POPPUNK to get uh, $2 off your order in our merch store at uh, poppunkpizzapod.com. I look forward to uh, talking with you next week. We uh, do a live stream every single Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time on our Facebook our Twitch, and our YouTube. And our theme song is sung by Krista Makes of Less Than Jake. Hey, hello, it's not-